Welcome in to another great and wonderful edition of the Sports Roundtable on July the 2nd, 2019, two days away from July the 4th. Uh, just welcoming myself back, Aaron Host. Uh, I missed the last few weeks. Kelly Gamble was able to take over two weeks ago. Sports Roundtable took a little bit of a vacation there. I'd say it was a little bit of a vacation need. It was a little bit of a down period here in the sports world. Uh, Kelly, how are you this evening? I'm doing wonderful. Uh, Aaron, first and foremost, it's great to have you back from your uh, your vacation. I don't know how much of a vacation it was as he's actually out uh, working in another country, but uh, it's wonderful to have you back safe and sound, and it's always a lot easier to let you be the host, you know, that, since that's your last name, Aaron Host. You are the host of this show, not Kelly Gamble. So as I just told you before we came on, you lead and I'll follow. Well, I guess the host has to be a good host, considering my name is host. I know I'm just reverberating what you just said. Uh, folks, tonight's uh, podcast is being brought to you by Three Guys Fitness in Reedsville. Mention you heard this ad on 96.7 K Country and receive $5 off your initial membership fee. And by Brouhaha in Kingwood on Price Street, where the coffee beans are roasted in-house and the coffee beans are absolutely delicious. And by Parks Superstores in Brewston Mills, filling all your Kubota tractor needs. Kelly, we got a big discussion going on. I'm three weeks behind on a lot of things, so I know I got a lot of things to say. But seems uh, like the time I left, the Pirates turned it up. Well, they kind of had a lull for a while, Aaron. And at uh, one point in time, they were eight and a half games back. It looked like they was going to the tank. And all of a sudden, they turned it around again. They're seven and three in their last ten. I think that what really got them started uh, just recently was winning two out of three against the first place Houston Astros out of the American League, and uh, and two of those games they won convincingly. They lost the opener five to one to uh, ex Pirate Garrett Cole, but uh, turned it on in his last two games of that series. And then of course last night, uh, that's what game I think that we're going to focus on here a little bit was the eighteen to five drubbing of the Chicago Cubs with Josh Bell going off. For three home runs, seven RBIs, and also Adam Frazier and Colin Moran both having five hits. Let's go back to the Houston Astros series. Uh, the Pirates, obviously, a little bit before the Astros series, they were hitting, like you said, a low spot. I, myself, thought they were tanking on the season. Every loss just seems like they were getting just just slashed every game. They were, getting, they were losing by multiple runs, but then... Kind of feels like last year again. Last year, it looked like the Pirates were tanking. They're going into a very low spot of the season. Then, bam, what, what do you know? They go into an 11-game winning streak, pulling off these 15, 13-run games. And next thing you know, the Pirates have the longest winning streak in the major leagues, the Pirates of which in the last 10 games are 7-3. and three. And one other note I wanted to bring in, the Pirates were the first team this year in, to beat Houston and win the series in Houston first MLB team to do that so I mean who would have expected it to be the Pittsburgh Pirates and I think that's where we're going and something I've been speaking on these podcasts all along that with the type of team that we've had and with all the decimating injuries not only to the pitching staff but also again to Corey Dickerson and uh, some of the the players that never even had an opportunity uh, Lonnie Chisenhall to even play this year um, there's been so much uh, adversity and the and for them to be the Pittsburgh Pirates still to be only three games under 500 and five games out of first place, 
to me, it truly shows that, again, if you persevere long enough, you get all these players back. Dave Williams hasn't pitched great, but he is back and pitching right now. Uh, Trevor Williams. Trevor Williams, I'm sorry, Dave Williams. Dave Williams used to be a pirate pitcher a long time ago, (laughs) so thank you for uh, correcting me there. Yeah, Trevor Williams is uh, back on the mound. Um, and you know, hopefully he'll get back in the sink. Corey Dickerson just coming back off the DL. Um, right now, Reynolds and uh, Newman, both guys that are hitting the ball great right now. Of course, Josh Bell has been consistent all year long. So uh, you know, the offense seems to be coming around. Uh, getting Dickerson back, I think, will eventually help. He had four hits uh, in one of those games against Houston. So when he gets his timing back as well. Uh, with Reynolds playing right, um, you know, the Pirates are looking good right now offensively if they can just get some consistency with that starting rotation and out of the bullpen. But we do know that we got we got the nightmare in the back end, and he's only blown one save this year. So uh, uh, with that being said, they got the closer if we can keep the lead uh, going into the ninth inning. See, I think it's the biggest thing with the Pirates is consistency, and consistency is key. If that's anything that's hurt the Pirates in years past is the offense has been there. But the defense, the pitching has not been there. And in years past, it's been the pitching's been there, but the offense hasn't been there. When they went on that 11-game winning streak last year, both the pitching and offense were both there. And even if the pitching wasn't there, the offense would have lifted. But then going into that big four-game series against the Cubs last year, they were on fire, they were on top of the world, but then all of a sudden, a maximum of, I think, like six total runs between both teams were scored in that four-game series. The Pirates, of which only won in one of that game, basically putting their chances of getting in front of the NL Central leader, the Cubs at the time, out of reach. And the Pirates just never seemed to recover, although they did finish with a winning record, even with one one less game being played last season. This year seems to be a little bit differently. They seem to be turning the Jets on a little bit sooner than last year's team. They didn't turn on the Jets until... After the All-Star break last game or last year, last season, this year, they're kind of going into the All-Star game, provided the fact that they do good this week against the Cubs and then the Milwaukee Brewers in the weekend series leading up to the All-Star game next week. Going into this 13-game, uh, when I talked to my dad, Aaron, I saw that the, the Pirates started with Houston. Uh, you know, with Houston and Milwaukee, which they lost two out of three to Milwaukee. They, they've struggled with Milwaukee this year. Um, however, with Houston, Milwaukee, uh, the Cubs, Milwaukee again, there's a 13-game stretch that I told my dad that this will either make them or break them through these 13 games. The fact that they won two out of three against Houston, lost two out of three against Milwaukee, have a great start with this series with the Cubs. They got three more to, to go and then to finish it out with Milwaukee again. Uh, I do really believe that the, the remainder of of this series with the Cubs and then the three games with Milwaukee going into the All-Star break is really going to determine whether or not the Pirates are going to set themselves up to make financial moves, to make uh, trades and, and things of that nature. So if they have a chance going in out of the All-Star break uh, and they're sitting right there with the opportunity, uh, maybe we'll see some transactions made. However, if they kind of really end up going into a, a law over this next week, I think it can really determine whether or not they pull any money out of their pockets. See, I really don't think the Pirates are going to make a big splash no matter what happens. I think, the only, I think the only prospect of them making a big splash is if they do tank. Then they'll make a big splash by trading some of the big names, such as Felipe Vasquez. I think Chris Archer is not going to be in a Pirates uniform next season, no matter how good or better the Pirates do this season, or how good or worse Archer does come trade deadline. 
that's been the problem, though. The fans, if the Pirates have an opportunity, that's when the fans are wanting uh, um, them to reach into their pockets and uh, pull out some money to come up with uh, that one strong starter that may make a major difference in the stretch run. But, you know, the thing about baseball, Aaron, 162-game regular season is a marathon. And every game is vital. And, you know, they have to win series. If they have to continue to win somehow two out of three, uh, three out of four, at least split when they have these four-game series. But uh, they, they put themselves, again, as I said, in an opportunity only five games out. And I can remember from the time I was a kid, you know, I was 10 years old the last time the Pirates won a World Series in 1979. And, and I just remember how every game was a grind and coming down to the wire. But they, they have to just take one game at a time. But for the fact that they're still in this thing is what matters. And so they somehow, some way, have held on through their struggles and persevered through adversity to get to the point where that, and they have a chance. So the fact that they have a chance, I just remember being young and looking every year, having that hope, and usually thinking that if they can stay within four to six games of the lead uh, with, you know, a month to go, that there's always an opportunity and a chance. And, we, and over the years, we've seen some teams come out of nowhere, six and seven games back to come and make the playoffs and make a run. So, St. Louis Cardinals being one of those that one year, they were six games out going into September. Yep. They overcome the Atlanta Braves and jump spots. And the Atlanta Braves had a meltdown. The Cardinals went on the run. Yep. They made so, the final wild card spot. Well, that's why I believe that you can stay within five or six. Stay consistent enough to stay within distance. Stay within shouting range of the leader. Uh, but once you start getting seven, eight, nine games back, I think psychologically it does something to the mentality of the players, and they then they start to think that they can't do it. But when you're something about just being within four or five, no more than six, you know, games back, then you're keeping yourself within shouting distance and saying, "Hey, we got a chance to do this. Let's do it." Well, I think the Pittsburgh Pirates, uh, their their mindset, because the Pirates obviously aren't a team that are financially able to go out and make the deals like the New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox, to whereas if uh, they're out six games, well, they can go out and get a Dallas Kike, or they can go out and get a Mike Mike Trout, uh, so to speak. I know Mike Trout is off the market, but a player of his caliber to help rectify where they're at, the Pirates can't do that. The Pirates can go out and get a Brian Reynolds, an Adam Frazier, a Kevin Newman, a guy who has been lost in the sauce, and not to say that he hasn't been doing good. He's guy's been doing exceptional, but with where the Pirates at right now, you've almost lost sight of his 19-game hitting streak. Well, that was. We just spoke that. Uh, you and I and the owner of the radio station here, Neil Waldeck, speaking, and I said, you know, what's lost in this is Kevin Newman. Came through the system. He was at one time even uh, here in Morgantown Ballpark as a West Virginia Black Bear. He's worked his way through the system uh, fairly quickly. And, yeah, a 19-game hitting streak for this kid. And uh, and everybody's talking about Josh Bell, and Josh Bell and Reynolds has kind of overshadowed. And Newman's just kind of laying back, uh, you know, with 19-game hitting streak because everybody's focusing on uh, Josh Bell and uh, Reynolds doing so well. So Newman's just sitting back and saying, it's okay, I don't need the spotlight, but I'll take a 19-game hitting streak. He did go 0-4 for against Milwaukee the night before last and uh, ended that 19-game hitting streak. The last pirate to do that was Nate McLeod, who also had a 19-game hitting streak. But uh, I've always been one to say that I thought Adam Frazier had an opportunity, and I really believed that, and maybe he still could to win a batting title in the National League. Now, he's finally showing some flashes, and yeah, last night against the Cubs in that 18-5 to uh, drubbing of the Cubs, Frazier had five hits, including four doubles. So it looks like Adam Frazier right now is catching fire. Uh, you get the offense being consistent, and here's the good thing. You know, defense and pitching usually wins, but if you can get an offense that's 
gelling the way the Pirates are right now. You know, we can overcome some of those uh, five and six runs that we're giving up if we're going to score s- seven or more. So baseball's baseball, and I've said that to you before, Aaron. Um, it doesn't matter if you win one to nothing, lose one to nothing, or if you win 18 to one or lose 18 to one. Bottom line is in baseball, win is a win and a loss is a loss. So whatever they got to do to win it, whether it's pitching, defense, offense, uh, you know, whether it's a perfect sacrifice bunt, do the fundamental things and uh, find a way to win. Grind it out. I know something I forgot to mention leading you into that Kevin Newman story. Kevin Newman, you said Nate McLeod was the last Pirate to go on a 19-game hitting streak. But Kevin Newman done something that no Pirates fan alive has seen. He is the first Pirates player as a rookie to go on a 19-game hitting streak since the year 1900. Awesome. So 119 years, almost 120 years since something like that's been done. I know you're not old enough to see that. I I absolutely am not. I mean, uh, no. uh, I think I would be, well, you know, we could live up to 120 from uh, what I see, but uh, I'm not quite that old. I'm only 50, you know, so uh, no. But anyway, there's there's some other things. So here we are seeing the Pirates be the first team this year to go into Houston and and win a series. Uh, First player since 1900 to do what he did as a rookie for a 19-game hitting streak. And you also have some information about Josh Bell's game last night against the Chicago Cubs. The first player to do what? He was the fourth player. Fourth player. Fourth player in Pirates history to have four hits, three home runs, and I'm wanting to say seven RBIs in one game. In a game. So the fourth player ever to do that. In so Pirates history. Yeah, in Pirates history. So just over the last week, the Pirates are making a splash and you know getting into the record books. And it's always fun uh, whenever you know that they have to dig out the record books and find out what's going on. And so when that's happening, uh, this is the time of year. The dog days of summer are coming up on us, and uh, this is the time to uh, – to enjoy baseball, uh, and you know, again, you gotta gotta be excited. I, I for one, to, to be honest with you, am still shocked and surprised that the Pirates still only are five games out. So, you know, anytime they have that opportunity, I can't say that I am a the way that my dad is. My dad never misses a game. I mean, I don't have the opportunity as he does at seventy nine years old to uh, tune in to every night on AT and T Sports and watch the Pirates. But I watch when I can. But I always check out the box score and uh, and the stats after each game. But uh, I'm just amazed that they're still in the running. So with that being said, like I said, I'm, I'm excited. Let's see if they can put up some runs tonight again and uh, find a way to win this series against the Cubs and just take one game at a time. They win tonight. They, at best, split the series, or at worst, they split the series with the Chicago Cubs. Tonight's podcast is being brought to you by Three Guys Fitness in Reedsville. Mention you heard this ad on 96.7 K-Country and receive $5 off your initial membership fee. By Brouhaha in Kingwood, located on Price Street, where the coffee beans are roasted in-house and the coffee is absolutely delicious. I actually had a sandwich there earlier today, and their food's absolutely amazing, too. I had some french fries with a hamburger, which was like on two pieces of bread. And, I mean, it was absolutely delicious. I definitely recommend it to everybody. And by Park Superstores in Brewston Mills, where they have all your Kubota tractor needs in Brewston Mills, uh, transitioning into the latter half of our podcast this evening. I want to jump into more consistency with the Pirates, and I think the rotation is something that has been the Pirates' Achilles heel this year. Uh, you started off the season where this team was supposed to be built on pitching, where you had Jamison Tyon coming back as your as your as your horse, so to speak, in your rotation. You had uh, the question mark Jordan Lyles. If anything, he's been the one that's been somewhat consistent. He was the one the biggest question marks going into this season. And then you had Trevor Williams. 
Joe Musgrove and Chris Archer, who has not lived up to expectations with the trade of Austin Meadows and Tyler Glass now, who have both helped their way in Tampa Bay, and now Chris Archer, uh, it's not looking like so much of a good trade on the Pirates' end. No, and I just saw that uh, Austin Meadows uh, made the all-star team for Tampa Bay, as well as an ex-Pirate, uh, Charlie Morton, uh, the sinker baller who was very inconsistent as a Pirate. World uh, Series with the uh, yeah. Houston Astros. He, he did, and uh, and he's still continuing to do it. And so people always wonder, someone like Jose Batista, that the Pirates give up on, and he goes to the American League and ends up leading uh, the league in home runs for three or four seasons. home runs that and, one year. And so uh, you just never know, Aaron. I mean, when they don't perform – how long do you actually give them? I mean, no one knows what it's like as an owner and as a manager to, uh, you know, general manager to, to make moves. And, and how long do you actually hold on to someone when they're not producing? And then uh, I said this, I believe, when I, I was on a podcast a couple of weeks ago when you wasn't here. Um, the fans are always going to have an opportunity no matter what that player does or doesn't do. And uh, we was talking about another situation with Mountaineer basketball. And, I, you know, I'm a Mountaineer fan, true blue and gold. And But whenever someone don't always live up to their end of the bargain on your team, so when someone leaves the Pirates, in all honesty, as a Pirates fan, you don't want them to do well <laughs> because it don't look good whenever you make a move and they go to another team and start making, you know, leading the league in home runs or start uh, uh, leading their team and, and wins as a pitcher. So, uh, we usually root against them whenever they leave so that it don't look bad on the part of the Pirates because we're a Pirates fan. Uh, but anyway, we were speaking about something different when it came to Mountaineer basketball, which I think we're going to talk a little bit about here. I think um, so. But, uh, but anyway, uh, fans are going to be fans. And if someone goes and does well after they leave the Pirates, they, then the Pirates made a bad move. If they don't, we don't ever hear about it when they go on and, and don't have a good career with the teams that they go to. So that just seems to be lost in the – in the background somewhere, but when they go and do well, that's whenever we hear the fans complain. I don't know if I ever want to say it makes the team look bad at all. I think a change of scenery does uh, can can do wonders for a lot of players. A change of scenery can totally rectify a player's career. I mean, I can just think of a few. Francisco Liriano, when he was pitching for the Minnesota Twins and the Chicago White Sox, when he came back to the Pirates... He had one exceptional year where he was the stud in the Pirates' starting rotation. Yeah. Derek Lee, Marlon Byrd, Russell Martin. I mean, when they done changes of scenery, they looked like their career was going nowhere fast, but then all of a sudden they go to the Pirates and they find a second leg. Well, we can find a whole lot of other players that came in that was supposed to be just for a year or two. And uh, I was reading the other day on one of the Pirates' message boards about the all-time worst moves that the Pirates actually made. So it goes both ways is what I'm trying to say. And I don't know that it ever makes a team look bad, but the fans make that look bad because they start blaming the ownership and blaming the general manager, blaming the manager whenever they let go of a player. That's, that's just fans. It's not necessarily the team, but it's fans who try to make the general manager, the owner, uh, you know, feel guilty. And that's going to happen no matter what team that people are, are playing for. So. Well, I think the fans have a big say in it no matter what. They are the ones that are paying those guys' paychecks. Those are, they are the people well, that I've are showing up that. there, sitting out there in the weather. They're the ones that their words do honor some merit because they are the ones that are influencing those decisions because if no fans show up, they can't afford those players. And then you get the teams of, like, the 2010 Pirates, the over the 100 lost teams, the teams that don't look like they belong out there, and the AAA teams could be – 
10 times better well, than them. There's been years past where AAA teams have been better than the Pirates. I've always said that the fans are the ones that, again, they're going to bring money into the pockets of the owners. But, however, that opens up a can of worms for me, and you know where that goes. Until they have a salary cap in baseball, it's never going to be quite the same for me because I just have a hard time knowing that some team can spend $100 million more than another team to have a good product on the field because they basically buy the players and buy a World Series rather than building a team because you build that team, though, through trades and through transactions, that, but they had the money to do it. So I have a hard time. You know, I think we've talked about this before, so that's not something I want to bring into a big discussion tonight. But until baseball, for me, Major League Baseball has a salary cap where every team is equal, uh, I think you're going to continue to see the, the teams with the most money. So as I've said before, I root for those smaller market teams. Oh, I do too. I, I mean, I I rooted for Kansas City when they went that one year to win the World Series, a team that came out of nowhere. I've rooted for the Oakland Athletics when they've uh, went up against the Yankees. It seems like every year in the wild card and they never win. They get blasted every game. So, I mean, you definitely got to root for the little guys since there is no cap in baseball as of right now. And one team, a small market team that is not doing so good, but has made headlines here in Morgantown, is John Means, the first Mountaineer, uh, former Mountaineer baseball player to be selected to the MLB All-Star Game as a pitcher. Um, You know, I started to think about that whenever we talked about this earlier, and there is somebody that just came to my mind, Steve Klein was actually a Mountaineer pitcher that I do believe made the All-Star team for the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, so we might want to look that up. But uh, the possibility is there that I believe Steve Klein made the All-Star team as a reliever uh, some years back. Uh, I, I mean, I think we should definitely check on that. But I'm pretty uh, – I could be wrong. Maybe the reports I was reading said that – it just wrong. came to me as far as the Mountaineer. Like I said, it's not about trying to prove someone right or wrong, but it just hit me here as we was talking, Aaron, about uh, Steve Klein, so I will try to look that up. But uh, but John Means, so you can go ahead and talk about him a little bit because he is a, a Mountaineer pitcher of the past. That uh, It's great to know that uh, he has made the All-Star team as an ex-West Virginia Mountaineer, and with that being said as well, all eight draft picks, uh, the most ever drafted by a Mountaineer base, from a Mountaineer baseball team, and this – uh, last year's this past draft occurred just recently, including the 11th pick, Alec Manoa. But all eight draft picks, including underclassmen, has signed with, with teams. So nobody's coming back that was drafted, the underclassmen. They all have signed contracts with Major League Baseball and is now playing minor league ball. So what an awesome uh, note that is to know that future prospects can know that eight Mountaineers have been drafted. All of them have signed, and also that John Means, the next Mountaineer, now has made the All-Star team as a starter for the Baltimore Orioles. At one time, the WVU athletic department was possibly thinking about scrapping the baseball team. Oliver Luck could have pulled the trigger and totally pulled the plug on that team, but he decided to stick with the team and hire a coach named Randy Mazey. And the rest is history, and history is still being written today. Uh, but I mean, just John Means. I mean, it just shows. Uh, on a side note, how horrible the Baltimore Orioles season's going. Us as Pirates fans should consider ourselves blessed with the way our team's playing this year compared to how the Orioles are. When you have the All Star from the WVU men's baseball team going to the All Star game with seven wins, and that is literally a th- well, like a third of their wins. Uh, I think it's a, thir- a quarter or a third of the wins. Yeah, they only have 20-some wins, and so that's, uh, that's, that's seven sh- of them. That yeah. shows how bad their season is going. Yeah. Um, while you're still looking that up, I do want to send out my deepest condolences and sympathy towards the Skag family, Tyler Skaggs, 
was uh, found dead in his hotel room before the game against the Texas Rangers the other day. And just a sad day for the baseball world. I know a lot of condolences and everything are being sent out to his wife. Um, I'm not an Angels fan, but I can definitely tell you it does. I think as a true baseball fan, it hurts both of us here seeing such a young man who had so much promise in the major leagues. He had made it. He was a starting pitcher for the Angels, but yet he was found dead in his career. And he, there's no more potential to go from there. I'm not trying to go into any further, deeper discussion, but definitely my deepest condolences to him. And uh, Mine as well. And, uh, again, just a young life. We don't know exactly what occurred at this time, but an unintended death. Um, I'm sure they're doing an autopsy to find out the – what the cause of death was, but you just never know. Um, we know that tomorrow's never promised, and uh, so when one's life is taken so quickly, um, like I said, we just never know. That's why we, we love on each other and our family every day and every night because we just never know what tomorrow may bring. The baseball world is definitely in a state of shock. I know I've seen multiple social media posts from Mike Trout, Albert Pujols, players on other teams just sending out their deepest sympathies uh something like this uh it's more than baseball it doesn't matter rivalries or not you definitely it's your brother and sister on the other side of the ball field that you definitely take a step back and really realize how blessed you are to be where you are and to play such an amazing game and when something like this does happen the baseball world definitely unites and gathers around their brethren but while you continue to look that up, Kelly, I'm sure you'll uh, you'll chime in here. I do want to change gears a little bit on a topic that hasn't been discussed just because of the Penguins' late sea or early uh, fallout of the Stanley Cup Finals as they were swept by the New York Islanders in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs this year. The Pittsburgh Penguins are into free agency. They've already made one big mu- big move, trading. Uh, big-time goal scorer Phil Kessel to the Arizona Coyotes, uh, getting a big-name player in return, a player who came up through the Penguin system, and Alex Galchenyuk. Uh, just goes to show how good the Penguins are with their cap space, something that you've talked about with baseball, Kelly. The Pittsburgh Penguins, you can look at how loaded they are with talent. I mean, they got a center on their third line that could be very well a second-line center. And even on some mediocre teams, a first-line center just goes to show how much cap plays a role. The St. Louis Blues, at the start of January, were one of the worst teams in all the National Hockey League. But then, all of a sudden, they go on a run, and they beat the Boston Bruins in Game 7 to win the Stanley Cup Final. They go from last on top after that marathon that is called the Stanley Cup Finals. After 16 wins, they can definitely name themselves Stanley Cup champions. I definitely wanted to throw that out there. Since we were talking about small market teams, it just goes to show how much of a cap space cap room can help. You can look how loaded the Penguins are, how loaded the Washington Capitals are, how loaded the, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights are. None of those teams won the Stanley Cup final, but won the St. Louis Blues, a team that nobody thought back in January, uh, except, of course, St. Louis Blues fans, thought that they could win the Cup. But it just goes to show you how much cap does help the small market teams, NFL teams. I'm sure if there was not a cap room in the ML, or any M, or, pardon me, in the NFL, money would be, the amount of money that would be spent on contracts in the NFL 
if there wasn't a cap room would be astounding. Um, actually, as far as hockey goes, you know, with me, you're the hockey man. Uh, so, you know, anytime that I listen about hockey, I just go back to 91, 92 was when I got really excited about the Penguins because, of, again, being a Pirate and Steeler fan. But uh, but you have that knowledge of hockey, and uh, I think it's uh, great anytime that somebody can actually go from a, a losing team and turn it around and, and end up winning a championship of any kind. So, you know, I root for teams like that always. I'm still looking up things on Steve Klein. I'm still trying to find this. But uh, with that being said, though, again, I know that there's one other subject that we wanted to talk about a little bit, and it was uh, also we had an NBA draft. Um, Many people wondered why Sagaba Kanate, people thought that as having a blocked record at West Virginia that he might have an opportunity uh, in the NBA draft. However, he did go undrafted, but he had an opportunity to, to sign as a free agent. If you'd like to talk about that just a little bit, and I'm still looking here. Yeah, Sagabal Canante signed with uh, essentially the minor league team of the Toronto Raptors, the Raptors of which winning the NBA championship last year, taking down the Golden State Warriors, keeping them from three-peating as NBA champions. And I was definitely a person that was rooting for the Toronto Raptors. I myself... I'm not an NBA fan, but I will definitely keep tabs on it. I don't have one team that I like, but I know how passionate the Raptors fan base are and how much they've wanted to see a championship come their way. They have not, they, they've never won an NBA championship before. They've been oh so close before, especially when LeBron, LeBron James was in the East and he'd always seemed to shut down the Raptors. But as soon as LeBron goes out west to the Los Angeles Lakers, the Raptors seized their opportunity and they won the NBA championship and then they go into the draft and they they sign Sagaba Kanante as an undrafted free agent, somebody which not being rude as a Mountaineer fan, I don't think anybody in this studio would have ever thought he would have been drafted. I didn't predict him to be drafted. Um I know Sagaba Kanate in a way had a falling out with the Mountaineers last year, only playing in a few games. He did get the all-time block record for the Mountaineer men's basketball team. But now he does get to pursue his dream as a professional, as an NBA player. I'm sure he'll have to work his way up. It will be hard for an undrafted player to make it even on the bench of the defending NBA champions. So... That was my question as to why, you know, you always wonder uh, when a kid doesn't get drafted why you'd want to go, and maybe he's thinking that he has that ability to go and and try to to make a team with the defending uh, NBA champions. But uh, uh, I, for one, I think the question you asked me before we come on to do this podcast was, do I think that Sagabal Kanate will make an NBA roster? And I honestly can say I don't believe so. And one of the same reasons that I think that we saw some of the disputes that happened on the Mountaineer basketball team was – they told him the year that he was invited to the combine, you know, after his uh, basically a sophomore season, that he needed to expand his range. Well, then he comes out and he basically took away from the team by trying to shoot uh, more three pointers and take him away from the position that he was truly playing, which was center. And I think it caused some conflict on the team, and the Mountaineers really struggled uh, last year. So, uh, but right now, I don't see that. Now he's he's a specimen. There's no doubt that he is a, a big bodied kid. Uh, but does he have the range and the, the ability to uh, 
the offensively playing the NBA? I don't think so. Defensively uh, and rebounding-wise, I think that Kanate and shot blocking can hold his own, but I really don't think that offensively that he is an NBA player. And you know, Aaron, that if you watch the NBA at all, I know you said you're not a big fan, but it's about one-on-one matchups. Now, sometimes you can just be a role player and just basically be somebody that can rebound, block shots, and play defense. Uh, with that being the case, maybe he could find his mark. But I personally don't feel that uh, that Kanate will make the NBA at this time. If he goes to another, uh, you know, goes to the G League or European League, and maybe one day might get that shot. But as of right now, I don't think that he's offensively polished enough to play in the NBA. I don't think his mentality is there. I think uh, when he's told no. It definitely affects his demeanor, and it's his way or the highway. You saw that with Coach Bob Huggins. I know it really wasn't out there, but I think a lot of fans could feel it that way. Everybody was wondering why he wasn't playing, and then all of a sudden, whose head rears up right around the time we go on a run in the Big 12 title game, and or not the Big 12 title game, but the Big 12 championship, and then later on in the CBI tournament, Sagaba Canante says he was ready to play, but all season... He never even got into the grays to sit on that bench, but all of a sudden when it comes to the Big 12 championship tournament, he's ready. CBI tournament, he's ready. But, I mean, oh. I, I, mean I think I think that just speaks volumes of his demeanor. He realized he wasn't going to be the man, and all of a sudden he realizes there's a big opportunity, and he's like, I want to play. Yeah, I just I, I agree. I think that a lot of times that we just see a different attitude with kids these days, and uh you know, I, I want to see every Mountaineer player excel and have an opportunity. But like I said, I think that he became kind of a uh, – he became an itch, a situation where he became a problem uh, mm-hmm. last year. And he only played 13 games. And it seemed as though once he got the block record that he was basically setting himself up for a future in the NBA thinking he was ready. Sometimes I think kids get this attitude that they're they're always better than what they are. And they have to take coaching from – you know, Bob Huggins is a coach that – usually is a no-nonsense guy, and he admitted again last year that he let things get out of control, and I think it all started with Kanate, which trickled down to the effect of the whole entire team, and then, again, he just kind of had at the end of the year, he finally found some continuity and some players that was willing to play together, but it took all season to find that, and but basically, again, you know, we do wish Sagabal Kanate uh, the best, and uh, it's time to move on for the future of Mountaineer basketball. You kind of got to bury the hatchet after a while, but and not saying that kids shouldn't think they're better than what they are. They should always strive for greatness, but don't let it cloud your vision to such an extent. You burn bridges and you hurt other people because you think you're way better than something that you may not even be close to. I'm not saying that you can't be, but you can't just expect it to just happen overnight. you got, you got to be willing to work for it. I think if Canante would have put let bygones be bygones and let him be mentored by such a great coach as Bob Huggins and let Coach Huggins actually get to him and teach him the game of basketball because Coach Huggins has sent players onto the NBA he knows what it takes to get to the NBA. If he would have literally let him, he had one of the greatest mentors possibly in college basketball to teach him, and he literally shut him out. He literally could have had a goal. He literally had it on a golden platter to be set up for so much great success in the NBA this year, and he squandered it. Yep, I agree. And uh, like I said, I think that it's just time to move on uh, to the future in the same way that we're leaving. Uh, another era of Mountaineer football behind us, and we are getting rubbed up to get ready soon to start talking Mountaineer football. 
going out of the Dana Hogerson era and into the Neil Brown era. So in the same way, I believe that Coach Huggins for the basketball team has, has got a lot of exciting uh, new talent coming in. I believe that he's looking at the reputation right now, uh, the attitude of the kids, and uh, saying I'm no longer going to put up with this anymore, and I think that Hugs is going to be the Hugs of old. So, And, again, I, I really look forward to the Neil Brown era. We might struggle a little this year in the first year, and so maybe. You know, we will let you know uh, on the sports roundtable as well as the sports blitz, which maybe we'll just kind of join these two in combination somehow. But uh, we will be talking much more about the Neil Brown era and what our predictions will be for the upcoming season before long. 60 days until game day exactly 60 days until the football will be put on the tee and it will kick off at 2 p.m against james madison university james madison by the way has been ranked number two in the fbs uh preseason rankings so uh number two in the ratings for the fbs coming up preseason so james madison dukes will be a formidable opponent coming into mountaineer field and definitely with the mountaineers having so much uncertainty this year, especially at the quarterback position after losing a Heisman caliber guy in Will Greer, and then you're going into the transition. Is it going to be Trey Lowe? Is it going to be Jack Allison? Is it going to be Austin Kendall? Or is all of a sudden Jarrett Deggy going to get his transfer waiver and going to be able to play? Something I was talking about earlier, and I know we're kind of extending the show a little bit, but like I said, I had a lot of things to say tonight. I wanted to say is Jarrett Deggy, I don't know if it would be good if he got his waiver right now. I'm not saying I don't want to see the kid play for the Mountaineers, but you got Jack Allison, Austin Kendall, and Trey Lowe having the time since January to integrate in Neil Brown's system and to learn his system more. Jared Deggy only re- just transferred two months ago. He's had a lot less time to learn Neil Brown's system, and then all of a sudden you're going to expect him to start in August. Um, you've had these players since January been having this stuff hammered into them, and then you're going to hand the ball over to a guy who's new coming in, learning a new system, new receivers, new offense line, new new running backs. I don't think it would be such a good idea. I'm not saying if he got his waiver. Maybe if Austin Kendall or Jack Allison or Trey Lowe don't pan out, maybe hand the reins over to him about late October, early November when the season may be waning. But if the but if the Mountaineers are hitting on all cylinders and all of a sudden they got four wins in their first six games, I think you stick to your guns and stick with what you got. I don't think uh, you should hand it to a guy who hasn't had much experience yet with Neil Brown's system. It's all still up in the air. We really don't know. It's just basically uh, uh, we don't really know what's going to happen yet when it comes to this. But basically competition – is good. I'm always about competition. competition. Breeds so success. It does. So no matter what happens, I mean, I'm sure that Neil Brown, being the man that he is, uh, he has success. And at Troy State, many people don't even know who Troy was. But the year that Clemson won a national title, they was lucky to escape with a one-point win against a Neil Brown Troy State team. Troy. So Troy, oh, Troy. Troy. It used to be Troy State, but they changed it to Troy. One time it was Troy State back in the day, I think. But either way. Uh, Neil Brown knows how to coach football, and he took a team his first year there, and and then within the second year he had 10 wins, and and he's been a success. So I'm sure that he will make the proper decision for whatever quarterback is going to give him the best opportunity to win. And so with that being said, you know, either way, I'm I'm – fine with whoever he decides and because I, I trust in Neil Brown and his system and his values. Neil, Neil Brown's definitely a guy. I think he mimics a lot of Bob Huggins, not that, they, that he's put himself like Bob Huggins, but the way those two guys think is he's going to put the best team out there 
but he's not going to jeopardize the continuity of the team for one player either. So he's definitely going to put the best player out there. So if he decides Austin Kendall, if he decides Jack Allison, if he decides Trello, I think us as Mountaineer fans need to get behind him and put our full support because he put that guy out there because he thinks that guy is going to give him the best chance to win. Absolutely, and I know that's what Neil Brown will do. And like I said, I'm just so big on his his morals and his values and his ethics that he has. And I just look forward to this new transition into uh, new coaching staff and really look forward to the defense playing better football this year. And so it's exciting. And by the way, on the Steve Klein thing, it keeps going back to another pitcher. Uh, I have got some things here on the Steve Klein that pitched for the Mountaineers, but I have not been able to find whether or not. So maybe he did not uh, make an all-star team, but I will look it up again and make sure we find out for sure. But either way, we do know that John Means, again, from the Baltimore Orioles, the next Mountaineer is going to be in the all-star game. And uh, Josh Bell also is something else. We want to get back to the Pirates Home one run time. Derby. Home run derby. And that's kind of something that will probably help us to finish up this segment. And I know my dad, again, he's a huge Pirates fan. Uh, was listening to him in 1960 when they beat the New York Yankees 10-9 to on a Bill Mazeroski walk-off home run. He was in his tank in Germany during the Cold War. My dad is all excited about watching Josh Bell uh, in this home run derby coming up. So, God, The kid's got power. <clears throat> congratulations to the man. I mean, he's staying consistent and the only pirate that will represent uh, in the All-Star game. As of right now, if any players decide to set out, I know sometimes there are players that get kind of pushed in afterwards. I don't know if the NL manager has decided on his pitchers. Of course, Felipe Vasquez could make it as a bullpen pitcher, possibly. I don't know. I don't know if it's completely set now. I think it's it'll be set by later this week, possibly. Uh, so maybe if they needed a reliever that Vasquez might have an opportunity again because he has been consistent over the years with the Pirates. So last year it was uh, – Vasquez, and uh, so we'll see what happens. But uh, congratulations, though, to Josh Bell. What an awesome year he's having right now, and he has an opportunity to put up some uh, unbelievable numbers. Uh, so I hope that he stays consistent in, in the second half as he has in the first half. What day is the All-Star game on again? I know I sound ignorant for saying this. I think the All-Star game's on Wednesday next week, if I do, if I, if I am correct. I will have to look that up. So I know our podcasts are on Tuesday. They drop at 8 o'clock every Tuesday, so good chance we'll have one more discussion leading into the All-Star game when the rosters are finalized and they are going to play in the All-Star game. Tuesday, July 9th. So the game is on Tuesday, July 9th. We will be able to talk about it that day. The podcast will be new and fresh just as the MLB All-Star game is playing. I'm looking forward to that as well, and again, just to see the opportunity to see a young slugger for the Pirates, and it's nice to have somebody that we're talking about as a slugger. You haven't heard too many sluggers over the years for the Pirates. Of course, McCutcheon, uh, McCutcheon had his time in Pittsburgh, but Pedro. he had a combination. Uh, Pedro Alvarez at times put up some numbers, but always was inconsistent. Never, yeah, never consistent. Uh, I think he only had one All-Star game, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, he also so, went to the, I think he also was in a home run derby. And he did not fare very well, nor did McCutcheon. When no. McCutcheon was in, neither one of those two Pirates fared very well in the, in the home run derby. And uh, so, uh, you know, it's funny, I saw a, a Someone made a, a comment on one of the message boards and said maybe they need Chris Archer to actually be the one that's pitching for Josh Bell when it comes to the home run derby because he gives up a lot of home runs. Uh, yeah, I know that's not really funny right now, with Aaron, because he he was a big Chris Archer fan. And you know what? I'm not going to give up on him either. I, I hope that he turns around the second half of this year, that he becomes somebody again just like the – 
uh, you know, he he can. He's a good kid. He's not a. He's got a great attitude. So great heart. He does. He's a he's a good young man that I that I'm I'm rooting for. I really am. I'm not uh, as down on him as some people are. I know he's had a tough time this first half of the year. But the game that we went to, he got the win and they defeated the Brewers. One of the few times they've defeated him this year, nine to four. And uh, we're going to believe that Archer can. Uh, but that was on a message board the other day. They said that uh, Josh Bell's pitcher should be Chris Archer, so that he can uh, make sure that he gets plenty of home runs with an opportunity to win. That's harsh. That's harsh. Whoever put that out there, I give, I give you, I give you kudos for that. That was good. I don't know if I could argue for him anymore. I, I'm not saying I haven't get, I haven't given up on a guy. It, it takes a lot for me to give up on a player. I have to see their attitude, like they've given up before I will give up on them. But I can no longer vouch for the guy either. If the Pirates trade him, I understand it. If they release him, I understand it. Here was a thought. I know me and you talked about Kelly, and this will be the last thing we'll talk about before we end this podcast session. Put Chris Archer in the bullpen, bring Francisco Liriano back into the starting rotation. See how that works. It's funny that whenever you brought that up, it was in my thoughts. Uh, again, we was having a conversation prior to this podcast, and uh, Neil was in here with us, and that thought was right in, uh, in my mind as you mentioned it, and I said, that's exactly what I was thinking. Liriano's a little older, but he had a lot of success in the Pirates days whenever they was uh, making the playoffs with McCutcheon, and uh, why not? You know, he can get him five or six good innings and then go to the bullpen, and uh, you know, right now, uh, Feliz has been pitching better out of the bullpen. Kyle Crick gave up a game-winning homer the other night, but has been consistent. He's been their most consistent setup man uh and then if you get to the back end of the bullpen with vasquez you always got a great opportunity to win so uh why not though liriano in there if uh, we don't have uh, you know our starters all back and healthy then give liriano that chance again because i think that he can get us a good solid five to six innings and then turn it over to the bullpen i definitely think he's he's, he's been shown to be a consistent winner over his career and he's a tenured vet so he definitely knows what it takes to get through the dog days of summer chris archer does too but a lot of a lot of starting pitchers, when you see them and their career go downhill, Tim Lincecum, just to name one, they transitioned to the bullpen because they didn't have the stamina to last the whole way through the game, but they did have the power, the speed, and the junk to get them through two innings, and he could potentially be a long man out of the bullpen. Yeah, well... Either way, again, it's amazing to me that the Pirates are still in contention. And uh, with that being said, uh, I look forward to the, the remaining schedule before the All-Star break and looking forward to seeing Josh Bell in the home run derby as well as making an, an opportunity to get in the game, hopefully at some point in time, and maybe lead the National League to, uh, to a big win. And uh, over the years, it seems like the AL has had the number right now when it comes to the All-Star game. So it would be nice to see Josh Bell uh, make an impact on the All-Star game on that Tuesday. No doubt. Definitely seems like the uh, the AL always has the NL's number. Of course, if the AL wins it, they get home field advantage when it comes to the World Series at the end of the year. I think it's one of the greatest things about baseball is the All-Star game does mean something. In the NHL, it really doesn't mean anything. And definitely in the NFL, it doesn't mean anything no, it at doesn't. All. I don't even want to watch it anymore when it comes to the NFL. It might as well be flag football now. Yep. yep. And, uh, and, I mean, and when it comes to the NBA All-Star game, it's all about entertainment. So, uh, in the baseball game, it's one of the few all-star games, you're right, that basically comes down to uh, they want to win. Uh, where these other um, professional sports leagues, it's basically more about an entertainment value. It, just gets all, um, it, gets, it gets all the stars yeah, there at once. Yeah, it and... does. Now, I mean, the home run derby is about 
uh, entertaining, but it's also about winning. I mean, you see those guys go out there in the home run derby, and they want to win. You can see the competitive nature to it, but you also see it during the game. And so it does mean a lot to uh, especially the players that are in contention uh, on contending teams. They definitely want to go out there to win and because it could mean the difference when it comes to that one extra game at home when it comes down to the end of the season. Definitely so, in playoffs. Absolutely. And, uh, Aaron, again, it's great to have you back tonight. Uh, I've missed you. You may not think so. Uh, I remember when you walked out the door, you said, are you, you going to miss me? And uh, I said, we will miss you. And you said, really? So Aaron does a great job. And, again, for all of you out there, uh, you know, send uh, Aaron a message, tweet him, uh, uh, find him on Facebook, Aaron Host. And he does a great job here at 96.7. He's done a lot of behind-the-scenes work here. And uh, we're definitely, even though I'm not an official employee here, I come in to help out a lot to uh, have an opportunity to do some uh, different things with Neil and barter a little bit when it comes to my other profession, my main profession. And we thank you so much. And it's always an honor and a privilege, again, for me to be here with you and talking sports. And it gives me an opportunity to get a little break from what it is that I do on a daily basis that can sometimes be very stressful. So this relieves my stress to be able to do something else that I really enjoy and love, and that's talk sports. So thank you for uh, having this podcast. Well, I'm proud to do what I do. I try to, whatever I do, I try to represent who I who I represent and who I am as a person. I try to do it the best I can and make everybody proud no matter what I do. Um, I got another profession that I do that, uh, I have a lot to be proud for. I've done a lot of work to get where I have been in that profession. And I, I see nothing but the best for this radio station in the future. And got a lot of things in the works right now, but if anything I know, I'm coming up, August will be my one year mark here at the station. And what I've accomplished here in one year, I can't wait to see what the next two, three, five years bring. Well, it makes me happy to hear that because I think that you're exactly right. And what I saw was a, a wide-eyed uh, young man come in with a, with a heart full of expectations, and uh, you've definitely grown. And uh, so looking forward to see that continuous growth. And uh, like I said, I remember a time that uh, – a uh, young man was on the radio that then became the owner of this radio station doing sports and uh, and I see where he has grown and come to so I'm a little older than both of you and I know that uh, you're going to come in that same direction that uh, what he was and uh, you know my job is to speak in what it is that I do in my life and so you know for me like I said it's just a time to get away from some stressful moments and you know speaking sports is something again that I've always loved as a kid and I've still continued to grow in that love not quite as as much as I was when I was young but I really enjoy speaking uh, sports with you and uh, looking forward to future things that we have in store here and that what you are continuing to work on so again this is- thank you and uh, uh, glad to see you back from your trip safe and uh looking forward to the future i'm looking forward to hit the ground running and getting this podcast back up to full steam putting out the episodes and getting it ready for the sports blitz coming in august preston high football in august mountaineer football in august so kind of a little bit of a down period right now but it will heat up here soon very quickly for kelly gamble i am aaron host i want to send out a special thanks to our sponsors, Three Guys Fitness in Reedsville. Mention you heard this ad on 96.7 K-Country and receive $5 off your initial membership fee by Brouhaha in Kingwood where the coffee beans are roasted in-house and the coffee beans and the coffee is absolutely delicious. And by Park Superstores in Brewston Mills where they will have all your Kubota tractor needs. Once again, for Kelly Gamble, I am Aaron Host. Happy 4th of July, everybody. Uh, definitely, definitely. America's birthday again coming up here on Thursday. Uh, I got to send out my happy birthday wishes to 
the United States. Um, one of my profession kind of, I have to. So um, definitely want to send out my uh, happy birthday wishes to the United States. Uh, for Kelly Gamble, I'm Aaron Host. I'll talk to you guys again next week.